Genesis 29:21. Genesis 29:21 till the end. We read of Jacob's family, the beginning of his family. 29:21. Then Jacob said to Laban, "Give me my wife for my time is completed that I may go into her." And Laban gathered all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came about in the evening that he took his daughter Leah and brought her to him, and Jacob went into her. Laban also gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came about in the morning that behold it was Leah. And he said to Laban, "What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served with you? Why then have you deceived me?" But Laban said, "It is not the practice in our place to marry off the younger before the firstborn. Complete the bridal week of this one and we will give you the other also for the service with which you shall serve with me for another 7 years." And Jacob did so and completed her week and gave and he gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. Laban also gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maid. So Jacob went in to Rachel also and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah and he served with Laban for another 7 years. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved and that and he opened her womb but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben for she said because the Lord has seen my affliction surely now my husband will love me then she conceived again and bore a son and said because the Lord has heard that I am unloved he has therefore given me this son also so she named him Simeon and she conceived again and bore a son and said now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons therefore he was named Levi And she conceived again and bore a son and said, "This time I will praise the Lord." Therefore she named him Judah. Then she stopped bearing. 21. The time has come. 7 years have come, and Jacob prompts Laban for his wife so so that he might begin the marriage. And in 22, Laban as typical gathers the men of the place and he makes a feast. to hold a feast was in order to proclaim it publicly and to celebrate publicly in the presence of many witnesses which is a right and good thing to do so he is doing what he ought to do but in 23 he's tricking from 23 on he tricks or deceives Jacob it says in 23 now it came about in the evening that he took his daughter Leah and brought her to him and Jacob went into her Firstly, we notice that it was in the evening. Probably it was dark. And also probably she wore a veil. Because this is typical of brides in weddings to wear a veil. So probably for these two reasons at least, it being in the evening and dark and she wearing a veil, if she had kept quiet and her voice uh we don't know if her voice was the same as Rachel's or not. but perhaps if she talked or talked too much then her voice would have given her away but whatever the case at least those first two reasons are there maybe also a third that has been proposed that typically at feasts men get drunk and maybe Jacob got drunk or they made him drunk but it doesn't say that here so probably Jacob was not drunk sometimes that happens but in this case i would say the evening issue the dark 
the dark of the day and also the veil were the reasons that Jacob was deceived when it was time. So he realizes it in the morning. Why? Because it's light and he can see who's there next to him on the bed. It was Leah. So he confronts Laban. What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served with you? Why then have you deceived me? What does Jacob's name mean? It means deceiver or supplanter. Somebody who tricks and undermines another. That's what Jacob's name means. And we see some of that in his character in the preceding chapters. And now what he has done to others, God has now caused to happen to him. Now, even though Laban practiced deception, we have to back up and say, was this not the providence of God? We will have to say that because by the time we get to verse 35, Leah, the one he did not want to marry, he does marry, and Leah bears Judah. And who was Judah? An ancestor of Christ. Right? An ancestor of Christ. David comes from the tribe of Judah. So God, what men mean for evil, and as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Correct? This is Genesis 50, 20, 50 verse 20. That's what's also happening here. What evil people do, God turns those evil things into good things, especially spiritually good things for his own people, his elect. That's what happens in this case. And it was all for our benefit. But in the meantime, God does inflict on sinners aspects of their own sin on their own head, right? Um, Another example of this, we could say, is David. In 2 Samuel 11, until the end of the book, 11 to 24, David committed adultery and murder. And then, after that, his sons, Amnon and Absalom, they also, in one way or another, seek to undermine and seek to murder, but then they get assassinated. And in the case of Amnon, he committed sexual immorality. Absalom commits sexual immorality in heinous ways, just like David did. And David has to live through the experience of his sons living that way. And that's the same, I think, here with Jacob, verse 25. Then Laban uses a very weak, lame excuse in verse 26. (laughs) But Laban said... It is not the practice in our place to marry off the younger before the firstborn. If that were the case, it is true that in many cultures this is the case. Even today, it is the case that parents want the oldest son or daughter uh, to marry in turn. The oldest, then the second, then the third, like that. They want that to happen because they don't want the shame or the suspicion that there's something wrong with their son or daughter, the oldest one, who's not married yet. Well, why isn't he married yet? Is there something wrong with him? Has he done something wrong? Is God not blessing him? God is not blessing the parents, so on. People think that way, rumors spread, and slander spreads. So there is the custom to urge, to encourage the oldest, and then the second, and the third, and the fourth, in that order to marry. That does happen in many places. 
It might have been, well, could have been the practice there. But Laban didn't say he was going to practice it. He didn't say he was going to do it. He didn't tell Jacob specifically that. And so he used it as an excuse. However, he's going to get a twofer here. He's going to be able to marry, marry off Leah, but also marry off Rachel to one man. So he says in 27, complete the bridal week of this one. And we will give you the other also for the service, which you shall serve with me for another seven years. So he's a, a bargainer, a bargainer, a negotiator. He says, I'm going to give you my other daughter, but you need to stay here for another seven years. Now, Jacob loved Rachel that, so much that he agreed to that. And verse 28, and Jacob did so and completed her week and he gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. Now the question comes up. People wonder, did Laban give Rachel to Jacob after the first week, so on the eighth day, and then they celebrated another seven days for Rachel, and then he served another seven years, the remainder of the seven years for Rachel. Is that what happened? Or did he have to wait 14 years for Rachel to marry her? The answer is he had to wait seven years and eight days. So on the eighth day, at the beginning of the next festival of seven days, that's when she was given to him. That's the way it says it in verse 28. He gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife because the week was completed. It says, and Jacob did so and completed her week, completed the week of Leah. Then he... Laban gave Jacob his daughter Rachel as his wife. Verse 29, Laban also gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maid. Verse 30, so Jacob went into Rachel also. He went into Rachel also, and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban for another seven years. I think that's the sequence. Also notice that both of these women have maids that accompany the marriage. And that is for the purpose of helping with housework and children. And it's not only for housework and children, but if the wife so chooses, because she's barren or she wants more children, she may give her maid as a wife, a second wife to the husband for children for the wife. And that's what we'll find in chapter 30. This is also what happened with Abraham and Sarah. It wasn't Abraham saying, I want to marry another woman. It was Sarah who gave Hagar to Abraham as a second wife so that she might have children. Okay, that's what's also happening here. It will happen in chapter 30. But let's pick it up now at verse 31. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved And he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. The text of the New American Standard Bible says unloved. Literally, it's the word hated. It's the word hated. He hated her. Now, of course, he hated her in that he didn't want to marry her at all. In that sense, he hated her before they were married. And then after they are married, he now reluctantly needs to do the duties of a husband, which includes um, conjugal 
uh, intercourse in marriage, right? So that they might have children because the wife wants that from her husband and she also wants to bear children. So the husband is duty-bound to do that for her. He did it for that reason, but compared to what he wanted with Rachel, the Bible calls it hate. Because there wasn't that enthusiasm, that joy in doing so. So it's called hate, but New American Standard says unloved. Verse, uh, and also verse 31, God blesses Leah because she knows she's being, he knows she's being mistreated. She's not having what every woman wants from her husband. She's, she's not experiencing that. So God, in order to test them, in order to show his favor on Leah and the blessing of marriage, he allows her to conceive four times in this chapter. Four times in succession and without Rachel having any children. Rachel will have two in the next chapter. We'll read of one of them, Joseph. But she will eventually have two, but not now. Rachel is barren. 32. And Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. Reuben means see a son or behold a son. Look, a son. Meaning everyone see and and be happy with me. I have a son and a firstborn son, which is even more special. So she is thrilled and she understands that the Lord, remember, the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the Lord has seen my affliction. And what was her affliction? That she was hated or unloved by her husband. And presumably the people knew that too. And you know how people are. They, they whisper and they spread rumors about this or that. So she would have had affliction in that way also. Surely now my husband will love me. Why? Because I have borne him a firstborn son. She hopes for that to happen. Well, 33. Then she conceived again and bore a son because the Lord has heard that I am unloved. There again, she uses the name of the Lord has heard the name Simeon that she gives the son means hearing or favorable hearing. I prayed, God heard me, and he was gracious to me. So he heard my prayer. Simeon comes from a root that means that. The third one is Levi, verse 34. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me. Attached to me, really, really love me and be attached to me, have a fond affection for me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, he was named Levi. Levi means attachment, attachment, joining or an attachment. So this is what she desires. She wants this and hopes that this will happen. In our culture and in some cultures, Families or parents don't make a big deal about sons. In some places they do, still in the United States. In other places in the U.S. they don't. But I would say in the majority of the world they do. They do make a big deal about the bearing of sons. Not because they necessarily hate girls and women, but because they understand the value 
uh, of the son in terms of his ability to provide and also to protect the family and also to carry on the family name. For those reasons, there is the, this value in bearing sons. So she is hoping that this might be a way to get to the heart of Jacob. 35. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. She will praise the Lord. Therefore she named him Judah. Then she stopped bearing. The name Judah means praise. It comes from a root that means praise or to praise. So she praises the Lord for these children. Clearly so, in the case of the first, the second, and the fourth, she understands that this is coming from the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. She praises the Lord. Now, this fourth son is not an insignificant son from the hated wife, right? The insignificant, not an insignificant son from the hated wife. Judah, the patriarch, first the son, he becomes a patriarch, he becomes a tribe, and even becomes a nation. The southern kingdom of, of the, the land of Israel, the southern kingdom, was known as the kingdom of Judah because that was the biggest tribe of that southern region. This is where the dynasty of David continued until the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and the tribe of Judah. And even our word today, the word Jew, in a corrupted form, linguistically corrupted form, the word Jew comes from this word Judah from Hebrew, or Yehud or Yehuda from Hebrew into other languages and into English as Jew. It's the same word. Technically, it would be a reference to the tribe of Judah, to the people or to the men of the tribe of Judah, uh, a Jew, a male, a Jewess, a female. But today we use it for anyone who is any, from any of the 12 tribes, a Hebrew person. Today we just say Jew and we refer to them in that way. Now, a couple of questions or a couple of points to make here. Um, the one I wanted to, based on verse 35, I wanted to show that it's not unlikely that she could have or would have known of the Abrahamic promises or even the Adamic promise in Genesis 3.15 onward through Noah and Abraham and now here to Jacob that she would have known of that and would have put her hope in the future coming of Jesus Christ to die on the cross and rise from the dead for her sins. Correct? Genesis 3.15 the seed of the woman, there's going to be a seed who crushes the head of the serpent. That seed is carried on through Noah because Lamech, Noah's father, said, this one will deliver us from the ground which the Lord has cursed. He will give us rest and deliver us from the ground which the Lord has cursed. Well, what is the rest that Lamech, the father of Noah, wants? That Noah is going to be the ancestor of what? What rest? The rest that is in Christ. That's why Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That rest, according to Hebrews 3 and 4, is the rest of eternal salvation. Rest from dead works to, to have faith in Christ and receive eternal life. 
That's the rest that Lamech had as he looked to his son Noah and anticipated the future. And then from Noah we go to Shem and to Abraham, as we said Genesis 11 does. And we know from Genesis 12, Abraham received that promise of the seed coming from him. Genesis 22, 18, And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis 22, 18. Then in Galatians 3, 16, the Apostle Paul says that the promises were made to Abraham and to his seed. And he does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but he says, and to your seed, referring to one, that is Christ. The single seed from Genesis 3.15 that carries on and through all the way to Noah, then Abraham, from Judah to David to Christ. That's the lineage of Christ. And it's not far-fetched to believe that Leah would have known of that and Jacob would have known of that and preached that and believed it. This is why she's praising the Lord. Not only because Judah is another son, but looking forward into the future. Then the other thing I wanted to point out and explore a little more than I did before, and that has to do with the age, the age of Jacob, the age of Jacob. Um, we read in Genesis forty-seven, twenty-eight, forty-seven, twenty-eight, that Jacob was one hundred forty-seven years old when he died. He was one hundred and forty-seven when he died. Then. We know he was in the land of Egypt for 17 years because that's also what it says there in Genesis 47, 28. Which would mean that when he entered the land of Egypt, Jacob was 130 years. He was 130 when he entered Egypt and that we find also calculated or stated for us in Genesis 47, verse 9. He was 130 Now, if he was 130 years old when he entered Egypt under the rulership of Joseph, how old was Joseph at that time? How old was Joseph? Joseph would have been 39 years old at that time. How do we know that? Because in Genesis 41, 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he became the ruler. 41, 46, Joseph was 30 years old. Then in 4153, we read that seven years of plenty had transpired. So he's 37 years old. Then in 4511, we read two years of famine have already taken place and five years are to come, which would mean 30 plus seven plus two. 30 years old when he became ruler, seven years of plenty, two years of famine so far, and five more years of famine to come. That means he's 39 years old. By the time Jacob comes, Jacob and his clan come to Egypt. So 130 years old. If that's the case, then how old was Jacob when Joseph was 17 years old? How old was Jacob 
when Joseph was 17 years old. And why do I use the number 17? Because in Genesis 37, verse 2, 37, verse 2, it says that Joseph was 17 years old when he looked for his brothers and their flocks, and then they conspired against him and sold him as a slave to Egypt. Chapter 37, that's when that happened. And he was 17. In 37, verse 2, Joseph is 17 years old, which would mean... Jacob was 108 years old. Jacob was 108 years old when Joseph was 17. Then I, I go to um, the, the amount of time. How long was it that they were in the land of of Haran. How long did they remain in the land of Haran? And it says in 3141, 3141, that they were in the land of Haran 20 years. 20 years. 3141, they were there 20 years. Well, was Joseph born? Where was Joseph born? He had to be, have been born in Haran because it mentions this in 30 chapter 30 verse 24 it says and she named him Joseph saying may the Lord give me another son verse 25 now it came about when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban send me away that I may go to my place and to my own country so there we also, we need to take off at least another 20 years from Jacob's life for him to have resided there in in the land of Haran. Take off another 20 years of his life. So he is, at the most, he's 88 years old and perhaps even younger um, maybe as, as much as 10 years younger when he entered the land of Haran. That's what I was mentioning earlier about the, his potential age. So if this is the case, he is about this old. All right, so we might nudge and fudge these numbers a little bit, but he certainly, Jacob is certainly not 20 years old, 25 or 30 or 40 years old. He is much older than that. By the time he flees Canaan to find a wife, Rachel, and live there for a while. All right, now why point that out? Why point it out? Well, because this also shows, um, assuming that Isaac and Rebekah are not derelict in the raising of Jacob, if we assume that they're not derelict, or that Jacob is not stubborn in trying to find a wife, if we assume that they have good intentions, which I think is fair to do, then it shows that they were very meticulous and very careful who married Jacob. And when it was the right time, they sent him away to find a wife. It also shows Jacob's great patience in finding a wife. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Amen.